Amen. We are starting a brand new series this morning uh, entitled Gratitude, Living a Life of Thankfulness. Living a Life of Thankfulness. I'm so thankful that you are here with us this morning, and I'm looking forward to the next three weeks, all that the Lord will do in our midst as we continue to get closer and closer to Thanksgiving and then moving into the Christmas season. I wanted to take just about three weeks uh, to wrap up the month of November and focus on this idea of gratitude, being thankful, and having an attitude of thankfulness that goes beyond one day a month in November. Uh, so often we, we hear how thankful everybody is around this time of year, especially this as a family, and you say one thing that you're thankful for, from just fall into that habit of thanksgiving, and we forget that God calls us to live a life of thankfulness. And so this morning we're going to talk about the idea that thankfulness is a choice, that thankfulness is a choice. And I want to ask you, you don't need to answer out loud, but just think about this even for this morning, this morning, what are you thankful for today? What is something that you right there as you are, what are you thankful for? Uh, Americans who were surveyed said that family and health were the top two things that most Americans are thankful for, family and health. Although in some of the same surveys, researchers found that while they are thankful for their family, dealing with those family members can be stressful. So we're very thankful for family and health, but Lord, sometimes my family risks my health, you know, it stresses me out. While we can relate to these ideas and, and time and time again, we think about our family and our health and how thankful we are for those things. But practically, there are so many benefits to living a life of gratitude. There's so many practical benefits, physical benefits, to living a life of gratitude. As I was preparing for the series, I found it really interesting. The Mayo Clinic actually discovered in their research on thankfulness and the effect it has on people, they said this, quote, expressing gratitude is associated with a host of mental and physical benefits. Studies have shown that feeling thankful can improve sleep, can improve your mood, your immunity. Gratitude can decrease depression, anxiety, and even difficulties with chronic pain or risk of disease. So just, just living a life of thankfulness and gratitude can actually have physical, mental, emotional benefits. Other studies have looked at how being grateful can improve even our relationships Relationships with people at work, relationships with people in our home, our family, even our spouse. For an example, one such, one such study of couples found that individuals who took time to express gratitude for their partner not only felt more positive towards the other person, but also felt more comfortable expressing concerns about their relationship. So in, an, in a marriage, when a husband and wife are thankful for the other person, grateful that person is there, that actually will not only make them more comfortable with the person in everyday things, but actually research has found that people will be more likely to talk about the issues and the problems and the concerns in the relationship from a more open standpoint because they know they're thankful for one another. And so again, I, I just, I, I know we live in a society today my sleeve decided to close the page on me, so I don't know. Let's get back to where we were. Uh, we live in a society today where a lot of stereotypical roles are being pushed on the marriage. And, and where a husband and a wife are supposed to not be grateful for one another, but complain about one another. 
and fall into that, you know, stereotypical, oh, you know how it is, and, and all this. And I understand joking is joking, and Sandra and I, you know, if, if people overheard some of the jokes we would say to each other and the way we tease each other, you might think, you guys don't like each other very much. We love each other, okay? Uh, we know each other well enough to know that I can joke around in a certain way, she can joke with me, and we're fine, okay? But when you think about this, a lot of couples, practically, are, are you really thankful for the other person? I mean, do you really thank the Lord for bringing that person into your life? Do you really thank the Lord for having that person there in times of great blessing, but times of difficulty too? Are, are you thankful for your spouse? Are you thankful for your children? I, I find that sometimes, again, socially, we want to complain about our children and talk about needing an escape from our children. And I just need a break from my children. And I just need time away from my children. But you don't see a whole lot in our culture. Now, I know in the church it's different, but in the culture of being thankful for our children. Praising God that children are a blessing. Of grandchildren, grandma and grandpa, are you, are you thankful for your grandchildren? And the impact that God has given you, not only to make an influence on your children for Christ, but the next generation for Christ. That you get to come alongside your son or your daughter and partner with them. Even if they don't know Christ, you can be that Christ-like influence into your grandchildren's lives. Are you thankful for your children? I know we say, oh, I'm thankful for my family, but are we really grateful for them? Or are we just thankful when they're a blessing to us and when they kind of perform and they get the good grades and so on and so forth? As followers of Christ, we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for. So I want to dive into our opening text. Simple, simple text, simple passage, but one that I truly believe kind of encapsulates God's desire for us to be grateful. Now, if you want to take notes and follow along, you can go on our app, North Goodland BC, in your app store, and you'll find there is a, a copy of the notes there. You go to media, uh, I think it's message notes, and then you'll find today's date. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 is where we're going to be. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And if you're using one of the Bibles provided, you can turn to page 834. So if you're using one of the Bibles provided there in the seats, Page 834, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. So this is a simple passage, a simple verse. Um, I, I'm debating whether or not, I, I don't know why the Lord has laid it on my heart the way he has. The last series, we went to Matthew and we read that passage every single week. And as I was preparing the message series this last week and kind of thinking about where the Lord would take us, um, as I wrote down 1 Thessalonians 5, it's kind of our base text. It was almost like the Lord was like, and I want you to do that again this series. Now, I don't know if we're going to do that yet. i got to still pray on that. But I love starting with a base text because I want everything that we do to be founded on the Word of God. That this is not me telling you this is a great idea. While the Mayo Clinic and researchers and studies have shown that, that thankfulness can produce positive results in our bodies and in our minds, we are not thankful because it produces something good in us. We're thankful because of what we're going to read this morning. It's God's will that we're thankful. That's why. We, we don't follow the, the, the word of God when it benefits us physically or mentally. Or rather, let me say it this way. We don't follow the word of God only because it benefits us as we think it benefits us. We follow the word of God because it is the word of God. Now, it will benefit us, but sometimes, if you've ever been in this situation where you're following what God clearly has laid out for you in his word, but you don't feel like it's a very good thing. You don't, you don't see the benefits from it practically right away. 
If you've ever served in children's ministry, you know this to be true. Lord, I know what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't know if the kids are, if it's getting through to them. I don't know if they're getting it. I don't know if it's working in teen ministry, student ministry. Lord, I don't know if they're getting this, but I, I think this is what I'm going to do. But, but there's some frustrating days in ministry. If you've ever worked with children's ministry, there's a frust- some frustrating days in children's ministry. And so how do you avoid burning out and quitting? You say, no, Lord, you've placed me here. Your word says that I need to do this. I need to be teaching these children, teaching these students, teaching these adults, whatever it is, serving in this way. And I'm going to be thankful because I can't see the benefit just yet, but I know you're working because your word says you're working. And so again, this is why we need to base it on scripture, not just how we deem it beneficial to ourselves. First Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. Some of you even have memorized this. And if you have put it to memory, I pray it's been a blessing to you. If you haven't, I encourage you to maybe do that over the next three weeks. Maybe as a church, we, we memorize 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It says this, In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that it is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path that guides us and directs us. It gives us wisdom and guidance. It directs us in our decision-making. It lays forth principles that we glean from to be able to understand how to do this or that in this life. It helps us as individuals. It helps us as Husbands and wives, moms and dads, grandparents. It helps us as church members. It helps us as servants of Christ in our community. It provides all that we need so that we might live godly. And so we thank you for the Holy Spirit that you give to us at the moment of salvation that enlightens our mind to the things of the word. That brings understanding, brings that needed wisdom that we all long for and that we all lack. So, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us. Help us to see this as a truth that needs to be applied, not for someone else. Lord, so often we hear messages like this and we think, I I just wish so-and-so was here. I hope so-and-so listens to it online. I hope so-and-so gets this. May we take a moment to just evaluate our own relationship with you. And how we're walking in this world. Are we living a life of thankfulness? And so Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you for your word. And I pray that you would speak through it. Help me not to get in your way. To to muddy the waters. But Lord, that you would speak through me as only you can. Because your people don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. So I pray that you would work as only you can. Father, we love you and we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. While it can be difficult to live it out, we see here that Paul's encouragement to the church is to be thankful in all things. Why? Because it is the will of God for them. Now, we have all wondered, what is the will of God for my life? Uh, When I was in youth ministry, 
first getting into pastoral ministry, so many times I'd have conversations with people and they would ask that question. I just don't know what God's rule is for my life in this situation. In do I move here? Do I move there? Do I take this job? Do I not take that job? Do I do this or do I do that? And it's a big question a lot of Christians ask. I just wish I knew the will of God for my life. Now, usually what we mean is, I just wish I knew the will of God for this decision, right? I wish God would reveal to me, should it be A or B? Now, sometimes we, we think that would make it easier, right? But sometimes maybe not. God, you know, he doesn't. But let's say God audibly spoke and said, it's choice A. And you're like, well, God, I really don't want to do choice A. I'm just throwing it out there. I'd love to do choice B. Sometimes we, we think it'd make it easier. Other times, I do believe there's a level of where God is saying, in certain situations, if you've prayed, right, you've sought wisdom from spiritual counsel, you've sought his word on biblical principles that contain to what you're talking about, there are moments in our Christian life where as a follower of Christ, God is merely saying, you can choose A or B. Both are wise choices. Both could be beneficial. Both are godly choices, and I'm going to be with you whether you do A or B because I already know it's going to be A or B and I'm already preparing you for A or B. So you just make a choice on A or B and I'll be with you. There's other times where we pray on things and we seek him and it's as though he starts to kind of nudge us by the spirit and guide us towards one of those two choices. And he may want us to choose A or B. But oftentimes we say that. I just wish I knew God's will for my life. I just wish I knew a clear direction of what I should do. But what I find amazing is that when Scripture does lay forth a clear and concise, this is God's will, so many Christians go, yeah, but I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can really live a life of thankfulness. We have here a clear, uncompromised, plain and evident direction from the Lord. It is God's will to give thanks. So thankfulness then is a choice of submitting to God's will. If it is God's will that we are thankful in all things, then when I choose to then say I want to be thankful, what I'm really saying is, Lord, I'm submitting to your will. I'm submitting to not my understanding, but your understanding. I want your will to be done in this moment. I don't feel thankful. I don't know how to be thankful. I don't know how to express gratitude in this moment. But it's your will. I'm submitting to your will. And so that's really the choice we make. We're making a choice. Are we going to humble ourselves and to submit ourselves under his mighty hand and say, no, Lord, your will be done, not my own. And Paul says, if you want to live that out practically, be thankful. And how many, in how many things should we be thankful? In everything, in all things. Now, I'm so thankful for the Lord works. Amen. Now, this message was finished by Monday evening. So this message was written Monday and this week, some things kind of came through, obviously, that really challenged me in what I wrote on Monday. Amen. And I even thought, Lord, I don't know, maybe I should change. And the Lord's like, what are you talking about? I gave that to you on Monday so that you'd preach it on Sunday. And so I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe you've had the greatest week of your life and you're just loving everything the Lord is doing and you're rejoicing in the Lord. Or maybe you've had one of the most difficult weeks of your life and you're just really struggling right now. I don't believe God is unaware of those things. He knows exactly what you need and he is giving it to you through his word. Not through me, but through his word. So how can gratitude become a habit in my life? 
How is it that gratitude and gratefulness and thanksgiving can become a habit in my life? Not where I have to work up the, the, the gumption to be thankful, but I just am. It just develops as a habit. Well, the first thing we have to note, and this is in your notes. If you are taking notes, if you'd like a copy of my notes, just let me know. I can send them to you. How can gratitude become a habit in my life? Well, first of all, gratitude is built on prayer. Gratitude is built on prayer. So you're in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Let's look at verse 17. Three words that are so simple in understanding, but practically can be very difficult to apply. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. That does not mean I need to walk around 24-7 with my hands folded, eyes closed, head bowed. I'm going to bump into a lot of things. I'm going to fall down a lot of places. I'm going to make my coworkers angry, right? I mean, I don't drive that way. I know it looks like some people drive with their eyes closed when you're on the roads nowadays, but they're, I hope they're not. So don't, don't do that. But when you think about this idea that prayer is the foundation of gratitude, gratitude is literally built on prayer. As Paul is closing this letter to the church at Thessalonica, he's writing some encouragements to the church, some, some kind of admonitions to the church. These are some basic encouragements of Christian discipline. And as he's doing this, he gives them these encouraging words to help them in their walk with Christ. And what does he say? Pray without ceasing. Now, this, again, is not accidentally coming before being thankful for all things. This is by God's design. It is not an accident that before we can live a life of thankfulness in all things, we must first give ourselves to praying without ceasing. This speaks to an attitude of prayer that is fervent and real, not only when things are going bad, but a habit of going to the Father in prayer every day. You see, prayer shapes our hearts and directs our minds to a heavenly perspective. The act of praying shapes our hearts and directs our minds to a heavenly perspective, a heavenly understanding. I find in my own life when I am struggling with thankfulness, it is because I'm focusing on my understanding. And since I cannot see how this could possibly be something I could be thankful for or possibly worthy of being grateful for, I choose to be bitter and annoyed. You see, prayer is the mechanism of gratitude. Prayer is the mechanism of gratitude. It is through time in prayer that I begin to shift my thinking and my emotions away from what I want or what I think or what I want to be thankful for or rather what I lack. And therefore, because I lack all of these things, how can I possibly be thankful? It's in prayer that the Lord begins by the working of his spirit to mold our hearts and shape our minds towards a heavenly perspective. And now I start thinking as the Lord would have me to think. My mind becomes shaped to how he would have me to think. And now all of a sudden, I don't see those things as annoyances in my life. I see them as opportunities to grow in Christ and be a Christ-like example. I don't get bitter about things not going my way because I realize he's creating those opportunities for his glory and my blessing or the blessing of others. And I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but in certain situations, that's not very practical. I don't know how to do that. That's because we're not giving ourselves to prayer without ceasing. This is not one of those things that we can do in our own strength. That's why prayer is so vital. Prayer is accessing the power of God, the, the abilities that God is giving to us by his spirit to live out through us. 
This thing, Lord, I can't, but you can, so do that in me. And I also want to acknowledge that nobody is perfect in this. I am not perfect in this. But I find when I'm giving myself to continual prayer, the attitude of praying, that means having a scheduled time of prayer. Maybe you get up in the morning and you spend 10 or 15 minutes with him. Maybe for some of you, you're retired, you got a little more time, the kids are out of the home, you can spend an hour with the Lord. Some of you, you're working, you've got kids, you got kids getting up from, you know, waking up in the morning, you got to get breakfast and all that stuff. So maybe for you, 15 minutes is like, that's all you can do. Then you just spend that 15 minutes and it's a daily thing where, no, Lord, I'm going to spend the first few moments of the day thanking you for today. And we thank him for the day before we go through the day. Why? Because after you go through the day, you may not feel like thanking him for the day. Amen? But man, when we start saying, no, Lord, whatever today has, I'm thankful because it's your will that I'm thankful I don't choose thankfulness because I know it's going to be a great day with great parking spots and great people and great conversations. I thank you for today because it's your will that I'm thankful for today. And I'm choosing by your grace and only by your strength to submit to your will. Because I want you to be glorified today. You see, when we start thinking that way and praying that way, that is the foundation of living a life where gratitude becomes a habit. It's not an afterthought. When we are struggling and submitting to the will of God and to be thankful, pray. Admit to the Lord and watch his spirit and his word conform you to the image of Christ. You see, not only is gratitude built on prayer, gratitude is also fueled by love. Gratitude is fueled by love. Romans chapter 8, go with there with me, go there with me if you will. Romans chapter 8, and if you're using one of the Bibles provided, that's going to be page 796. Page 796, and one of the Bibles provided, Romans 8. So Romans 8, verses 38 through 39, popular passage. Um, If I'm not mistaken, I think uh, Margie might have read this last week, I think, in the praise team. If I'm not mistaken, I think that was last week. But Romans chapter 8, verse 38. Again, this was what an amazing chapter. Just all of Romans 8 is so powerful to speak to our position in Christ, our identity in Christ, and also our love that we have in Christ. Verse 38, for I am persuaded, convinced. I am am convinced beyond reasonable doubt. There's no shadow of doubt in what I'm about to say. That's what Paul's saying. I am persuaded. Persuaded. I've been persuaded. It's a term that implies in a debate, you have one opinion and somebody's debating the opposite side. And at some point in the debate, you go, oh, and you, you kind of change over your thinking. And you're, no, I'm convinced that what you're saying is actually true. I didn't believe it before, but now I believe it. So Paul's saying, I, I didn't think this before, but I'm persuaded. I am, now I know that this is true. He says this, that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Principalities and powers involves both spiritual powers and authorities and human authorities. Verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. So no matter how high or low something comes from or to me from, I don't doubt this. Nothing created. By the way, the only thing not created is God. 
God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Everything else has been created. So what's Paul saying? Nothing created could convince me of anything other than what I've been persuaded. I'm so persuaded in this by the work of the Holy Spirit that no created being, what does Paul say about the gospel? Even if an angel, a supposed angel, comes and preaches to you a different gospel, don't believe it, they're accursed. And so often, by the way, remember, you're a created being. And the reason you don't believe God loves you as much as he does is because you're listening to your flesh, not to the spirit. And your flesh is saying, no, God doesn't really love you. God couldn't love you. You just did this. You just did that. You're not doing that. You're never going to do that. How could God love? No, nothing created can persuade us away from this truth because it's the word of God. He says this, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. That's how firm it is, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Not in your performance, not in your abilities, not in your church attendance, not in your baptism, not in anything that you do. It is only secured through Christ and Christ alone. And so here we understand that gratitude then, built on prayer, is also fueled by love. Thankfulness to God will become habitual the more we realize how much God loves us. How can we not be thankful when we realize nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? You see, love, not obligation, fuels a desire to express thanks to the Lord. Love, not obligation, fuels our desire to express thanks to the Lord. Again, I choose this because he loves me so much, I can't help but be thankful. I'm not sitting there in the morning praying going, okay, I got to be thankful. Preacher said, I got to be thankful. I, I, I got to do this. I got to say thank you, Lord. No, that's, that's obligation. That's a sense of guilting yourself. No, just understand that he loves you and he has the best for you. So it fuels a desire to be thankful. Paul expresses this principle in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. I came across this this week. It absolutely blew me away. Galatians 5 and verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Now, the first part of that verse is involving that there were those that were trying to push law on the Galatian believers. And Paul's rejecting that. No, it's not through a religious act or a deed. It is only by faith in Christ alone. But I love the phrasing here at the end of Galatians 5, 6, but faith working through love. I don't know about you, but I can't think of a better summary for the Christian life. How else do we describe our life in Christ? But faith working through love. It's the faith in God working through us in love, a loving attitude, a loving spirit towards others. We share the gospel. We pray. Why? Because it's faith being expressed because of his love for us and our love for him. And here, even gratitude, when we express thankfulness to God, we are demonstrating our faith, which is motivated by love from God and love for God. Absolutely love that. Faith working through love. That's what we're living out as a follower of Christ. You see, gratitude is fueled by love. I'm not talking about undiscerning love or love as the world defines it. I'm talking about 1 Corinthians 13 love. I'm talking about biblical love. I'm talking about the love that sent Jesus Christ to the cross, to the grave, and resurrected. That kind of a love. That kind of a, a love that understands 
that we were destitute and afflicted and had no hope of salvation, no hope of forgiveness, but Christ in his great mercy under the will of the Father by the equipping of the Holy Spirit comes and gives his life for you. And that you, when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, your sins are washed away and you are made a new creature. The righteousness of Christ is imputed or credited to you, not by what you do, not by what I do, but only by the gift of God through the gospel. And that is fueled by love. You see, God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus says, I love you enough to lay down my life for you. See, love is the fuel that creates in us a habit of gratitude. But also, and and I don't want to say most importantly, but one of the more important things that the Lord laid on my heart as I was preparing this message, and again, this is where the Lord just knows what he's doing. Gratitude is centered in Christ, not circumstance. Gratitude is centered in Christ, not circumstance. Life is filled with situations that cause us great pain. How can we possibly be thankful in moments when it seems like everything is falling apart? By the way, 1 Thessalonians 5 does not give a, an escape clause. Right? It doesn't say be thankful for all things except this, 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 and this. Says, no, be thankful for all things. In all things, be thankful. Well, how do you do that practically? Because here's the reality. I heard stuff like that when I was in high school being saved, or after I first got saved, or when I was in college, I'd hear professors and, and pastors come to chapel and say that. And I'd always think, okay, great, that sounds really good. I love that. How in the world is that possible? Because when I go through certain things and I've gone through certain situations, I sure don't see that practically as a possibility in my life. How can I be grateful in all things? Because our mindsets has to shift from being thankful for the thing or the situation or the circumstance and stop and say, no, no, no. I'm not thankful primarily because of what's going on around me. I'm thankful because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And that affects everything around me. So how do we live this out? I want to be as practical as I can this morning. I want to give you as many helps as I can this morning as I pray the Holy Spirit, and I know the Holy Spirit's doing all the work. I I just want to come alongside as best I can. The first thing I want to give you as a, a word of encouragement is to acknowledge your hurts before God. You say, I can't be thankful in this season. No, you you can. Let's start with first acknowledging before God your hurt and your pain. God is aware and ready with grace and mercy. He is compassionate in our seasons. A passage you can jot down, it is in your notes, is Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. In this passage in Hebrews, the Father invites us to take our hurts to him in prayer, receiving mercy and grace. And I love this phrase, at the proper time, at the appropriate time. You see, the first thing we need to understand is that if gratitude is centered in Christ, then I go to Christ with my hurts. I go to him with my difficulties. I, again, I find myself in prayer. The Apostle Paul also spoke to this perspective on difficult seasons and situations in which he found himself. If anyone knows this, it's the Apostle Paul. Go to Philippians chapter 1. If you 
Philippians chapter 1. So when you get through Romans, you go through the Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, as you're going towards the back of your Bible. Philippians chapter 1, if anyone knew what it was to be thankful, even in difficult seasons, it was the Apostle Paul. Philippians chapter 1, look at verse 12 with me. I'm going to read quite a few verses here, but I want you to hear Paul's heart as he's going through these things. And remember, Paul's one that was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten, left for dead. Friends, close friends, turned their back on him, betrayed him, walked away from him. Relationships that he had before he came to Christ were dissolved and removed when he came to Christ. Nobody wanted to be around him from his old life. Great hurts and tragedies. And listen to what Paul says. Verse 12 of Philippians 1. But I would, you should understand, brethren, he's writing to the church, that the things which happened unto me, so what things? Whatever things he's gone through that are difficult things, hardships, difficult times. Listen to what he says. That the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that in my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. When he says my bonds in Christ, he's being spiritual and literal. We say we're chained to Christ. We're enslaved to Christ. We're a bond servant of Christ. And I love that imagery because he is our master and we submit to his authority. Again, in being thankful and in all things. But here Paul's saying, no, I'm actually chained for Jesus. I'm in prison because of Jesus and the gospel message. And he says this. I'm thankful for that. Why? Why would he be even mentioning this? He doesn't want us to be confused. There's a purpose. There's a purpose in this. He's saying this is all leading to the furtherance of the gospel. Where? In the palace and in all other places. If I wasn't imprisoned, I couldn't have these appointments with these leaders. I couldn't go and talk to them. But I have to go talk to them because I'm in chains. And that's the legal system. So God's given me opportunity to preach Christ. He goes on to say this. And in many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident in my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. What's another blessing of him being enchained? Not only is he having opportunities the gospel to go forth, other believers are hearing of his faith, of his testimony, and saying, man, if Paul can do that, man, man I can do that. Then I can be bold in my faith. He says they're growing confidence because they're hearing of Paul's testimony. So when we go through difficult seasons, you know one of the blessings that comes from that? Not only do we have opportunities to preach the gospel to other people that God brings into our lives in those moments, but people watch you go through those difficult seasons and they go, man, how can they walk down that road like that? With, with grief, yes, but also with strength. How is that even possible? And we get to share a testimony of God's goodness and God's grace and God's empowering. And we say, oh, no, no, it's not me. It's Christ in me. And God is glorified. And they, the others, will either come to know Christ or Christians will grow in their faith. So when their storm comes, they're strengthened. It says this in verse 16. No, I'm sorry, verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. There are those who are preaching Christ for the wrong reasons. 
just trying to cause problems for Paul, trying to stir up issues. I mean, imagine that from what you're in chains for Christ and others that are professing to be believers are preaching a false gospel or a gospel in addition to or some other way of preaching Christ for the wrong motives. And Paul says, but there are those who are preaching Christ out of a love. They're preaching Christ for the right reasons, with the right mindset. So this is what he says. What then? How do you handle this? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Why? Because Christ is preached. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supplication, or I'm sorry, of the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be, dismay, be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, listen, by your prayers strengthening me, by God working in me, and by rejoicing in Christ being preached, I have strength. I have confidence. I'm actually able to move through this season. Why? Because I know this is all working towards the future salvation. I know one day God will bring me before him and I will stand complete in Christ. And so these minor seasons of difficulties, not minor when we're going through them, but in comparison to eternity, I'm okay because God is with me and I know this is working for my salvation. This is just leading to my future salvation. And he says, and by the way, you have a hand in this by praying for me. You're praying that God would supply all that I need. And Paul makes a statement that so many Christians have said, but I wonder how many actually live out. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul's saying every breath I take is a gift from God, so it will be invested into the purposes of God. Do we literally live as Christ? That means if Christ did it, we do it. If Christ would do it, we do it. John says it this way, that when people see you, they see Jesus. And then he says, and if you take my life, by the way, he's in prison. He literally could lose his life at any moment. That's okay. I just get to go be with Jesus. Paul understood that gratitude and thankfulness is centered not in circumstance, but Christ. When we realize that God is using everything we go through for the advancement of his gospel and to the glory of his name, we can walk through seasons being thankful for the fruit produced in those seasons. We do not rejoice in tribulations because we rejoice in experiencing pain. We don't enjoy painful situations. We rejoice in tribulations because by God's grace, they are producing something in us and in the world for his glory. I don't rejoice in a trial or a tragedy or a difficult season because I like pain. I rejoice because, no, God, I trust that you are doing something with this. I can't figure out how. I can't figure out what all the time. I don't know how it's going to look, but I do know the end goal is your glory will be magnified throughout all the world. And so in that, I rejoice. I'm thankful. I don't have to see it to be thankful because it's God's will to be thankful, not God's will to be thankful for the things that we understand by which we should be thankful. See, in Christ, again, we have so many reasons to be thankful. And I know it's difficult 
I don't know there's circumstances and situations that we've all gone through, are going through, or will go through. And we question the practicality of this. But remember, God has not forsaken you. And in Christ, he is with you until the day of redemption. And he will strengthen you. Yes, we grieve, but we don't grieve as those with no hope. We have a confident guarantee in Christ. And so our gratitude is built on prayer. It's fueled by love, and it is centered not in circumstance, but in Christ. I want to encourage you over the next three weeks in a little challenge. Because as I just said, we have so many reasons to be thankful in Christ. You see, even the things that we are, our culture is thankful for, we mentioned this at the beginning, family and health, possessions, careers, blessings, opportunities. In Christ, it all looks different. You, as a follower of Christ, are thankful for your family in a way that your unsaved neighbors and family members can never be. Because in Christ, you see things through an eternal lens, a spiritual lens. Through the Holy Spirit, you understand that everything becomes fuller. And so you're thankful, as your neighbors are, for family and health, but it's fuller in Christ. Why? Because we're looking at a lens, or looking at it through the lens of Christ and his love for us. So I want to challenge you to do something over the next three weeks. You're not going to have to turn this in. You don't got to, you know, turn it into me or report it to me, put your name on it. It's not going to be graded. Um, if you want to do that, you, I mean, you can. I'll grade it. I don't care. I'm very bad with grammar, so you're going to pass. If you could write that thing in a crayon, I'd be like, A+. plus. Good job. Good to go. Here's what I want to challenge you to do over the next three weeks. I want you to make a list of things that you are thankful for, but not just a list of things. That's, that's easy to just start writing out, oh, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for a refrigerator that keeps my food cold. I'm thankful for indoor plumbing and indoor bathrooms. I'm thankful for, you know, there's all kinds of really good things we should be thankful for. And if you're not thankful for indoor bathrooms, you should be. <laughs> just praise God. I'm not going outside in December. You know what I'm saying? Um, but here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to just make a list of things you're thankful for and stop there. As followers of Christ, it's fuller, it's deeper, it has more meaning. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to make a list of things that you're thankful for, and then from a biblical perspective, why are you thankful for those things in Christ? Like, How is God glorified in those things? How are you able to be a blessing to others because of those things? How is God glorified in what you're thankful for? So it's good to be thankful for all things. I understand that. We can be thankful for things like we're saying, but I want you to take it a step farther. And those things that you're thankful for, from a biblical perspective, a Christian perspective, how is God glorified in those things that you're thankful for? In closing, in just a couple evaluation questions for you to think about, are you living a life of gratitude? Do you find yourself expressing thanks for the many blessings of the Lord in your life? Or do you find yourself struggling to be thankful? It is God's will, not God's opinion or God's suggestion. It is God's will for us to be thankful as his sons and daughters. Let's realize that gratitude is built on prayer, fueled by love, and based in Christ. I'm so thankful. Next week, we're going to be talking about how gratitude is actually expressed in our worship. We're going to dive into that next week, but let's pray and ask the Lord to be with us in these things. And so would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you for the wisdom that it brings into our lives. And Lord, I pray that as we go through this series, this, even this message this morning, Lord, I pray that it would not be just words that we say, 
but that you would apply these things to our hearts and minds. Lord, I, I pray if there's anyone here, Lord, that is struggling in this being thankful, living a life of gratitude. I pray, Lord, that they would come. They would bend a knee and just separate away and say, oh, Lord, would you remind me? Would you make it clear to me that I can be thankful in all things? Because that is your will. So, Lord, help me to submit to your will. To be submitted under your mighty hand. To humble myself. And to be thankful. And so, Lord, again, you work in all of this. I know there's many different hearts and minds in this room and online that have gone through tremendous, tremendous hurts. And this is not to minimize any of that. Or to be, to oversimplify these truths. But Lord, I, I truly believe your word lays forth that because you are who you are and because we trust that you are working your plan and your purpose for your glory, that you, according to your word, you can use all things and everything to that purpose. And so Lord, help us to be open and honest and real to cry out to you, Lord, in those hurts, but to realize that thankfulness is not based in what we go through. It's based in the one who has gone through it all for us, going to the cross, being buried and rising again, guaranteeing eternal life through your love. Thank you for all that you do. Would you be glorified in all that is said and done? And again, Lord, whether here at the altar, if somebody comes and bends a knee or there in the seats, would you work in all these things for your glory? And Lord, if there's somebody here that doesn't know Christ, I pray they'd come to know you before it's everlasting too late. It's not religion or good deeds. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ that will give us eternal life. And so if somebody here has not received you for themselves, then your word says that they are lost and headed to a place called hell to pay for their own sins. But Lord, you give us grace that anyone of any background, of any sin, of any of any situation where anyone can come to Christ, if we would call upon your name, repent of our sin, turn from our sin, and trust in you. So would you do that work this morning, drawing those to repentance that need to be saved? And Father, again, we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet this morning? Would you respond this morning what the Lord is doing, whether there in your seats or here at the altar? Are you living that life of gratitude? Do you desire to be thankful in all things? Or do you find yourself struggling in that area. Would you pray? Would you seek him? Would you come and spend time responding to what the Lord is doing as we worship this morning?